let's talk about it. Welcome to Thick Radio, the podcast where we talk about gaming and everything in its orbit. I'm James. And I'm Tim, so let's get into it. Today we are welcoming to the show for the first time, today we've got Shem. Ooh, hey Shem. Shem, baby, how you doing? I'm good, I'm good. Chilling. I have the home to myself, so I'm just like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> oh, love it. We love a day to just relax take time for ourselves just relax uh now you have a gorgeous little bird who you have forewarned us may make a vocal appearance in the episode today tell us about the beautiful baby bird okay so his name is kush kush he's cute um he's 14 years old he used to be my grandpa's but my grandfather passed uh this last uh, january so we decided to take him instead of like giving him away because you know he's been with our family for 14 years and just like sending him away would be like you're not a family member you're just a bird so bye mm-hmm. so uh yeah we decided to keep him and he's full of sass and he's got a big personality so <laughs> yeah i didn't know that birds live that long some birds can live up to 80 years 80 years i heard that some um uh, the gray ones, you know, with the red tails, they can. I heard that there was one that lived up to eighty-seven years, maybe. Oh my god, I had no idea. Like, I mean, I don't. I've never had a bird as a pet. I've only ever had a cat or a dog or whatever. And I know dogs probably have the shortest lifespans of domestic pets. But like, I feel like my cat, just to spite me, is going to live to be one hundred and two because that little bastard is just—he's going to outlive me. Uh. <laughs> Well, listen, Shem, we thought we'd bring you on today to explore what life is like in Israel. So tell us a little bit about Israel. Tell us a little bit about what the day-to-day culture is like there. Um, Sure. I live in Batyam, which is near Tel Aviv, in the center of Israel. Life in Israel is very work-centric. Usually people work from like 8 to 12 hours a day, depends like on the job, School is very like, go to school, get your good grade, find a good job. And like, that's the set course. People strive to high tech jobs a lot. That's why here in Israel, we call, they call us like the, um, what's the word for it? The high tech hub of the Middle East. We have like so many high tech companies here and that's like the main goal for many people. But other than that, people here are very warm, you know, like, hot-headed but very emotional and empathetic and it's very interesting to live here is uh jerusalem considered like a set like a, a separate thing kind of like um how over here in the united states washington dc is kind of considered a little bit separate from the state that it's in and over in italy vatican city is considered separate from rome i mean <clears throat> from italy so is like jerusalem kind of a separate city state I mean, Jerusalem is kind of special because it's located on a mountain and there are people from all over, like the religious rainbow over there. Like we have uh, Jews and Muslims and uh, Christians and sort of like a weird like um, amalgamation of all like the religions. I mean, I dated a guy there like not for a long time, 
three dates or something like that. But um, uh, I got to go there and I saw like neighborhoods that so diverse and felt like a really different place from Tel Aviv or Batyam or like anywhere else, I guess. What would you say is the biggest misconception people have about Israel? Basically, I think there was like idea that Israel is just like a huge desert and people like <laughs> go from place to place on camels and stuff like that. I don't know why, but actually, no, it's like very high tech, modernized, and we have like so many cultures here. It's definitely not the desert that people think it is. It's like, mm. like Egypt or something like that, you know? <laughs> I would think that like for Americans, maybe, um, because I think Americans have a hard time conceptualizing this at all is um, just the like the age of certain cities, like, over here in the United States, probably the oldest city founded city that you will encounter is maybe 600 years old. Uh, you know, James lives in London, London's like, what, 1100 years old, or even older than that. Something and then, like you know, you go to like Israel, those that's three or 4,000 years old that cities have been established. Yeah. And I think that people like don't think that a city that old could become modernized, you know, but when, when you have structures that have been standing for several centuries or, you know, several millennia. So yeah, people have this like idea that we go from places to, from place to place on a camel or something like that. But no, it's just like we have large cities, we have skyscrapers, you know. Right now they're working on like um, partially subway train system. I suppose Australians uh, encounter a similar stereotype. But mind you, I think this is a bit of a dumb one. Like, I don't know where people got this idea that we ride around in kangaroo pouches. <laughs> like, I get the joke, but also enough people repeat it that I'm sat here like, where did everyone like come up with this idea that we ride kangaroos in the pouches? Like... Has no one ever seen like a kangaroo? Because a kangaroo, I mean, I'm, I'm maybe a kangaroo standing at full height is about the same height as a human, but it's like, yeah. how could you, how could a human then fit into a pouch that is meant to carry, you know, a, a, a baby? A caricature and somehow it just like blew up to be like a thing people think. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, a marsupial's pouch is, and I'm sure there's a more technical way of describing it, it's more like a sort of, secondary vagina it's like a post um because because essentially the way that it works is marsupials don't give birth the same way that regular mammals do at the very least in the case of something like a kangaroo which has a pouch what tends to happen is during the um the stage where it starts to grow and the baby just looks like a little red worm um it detaches from the uterine lining crawls out of the vagina over the belly and into the pouch and reinserts itself because essentially they're not able to birth and actually do what they need to do to push the child out therefore mm -hmm. that's what the pouch is for it's an elastic membrane where they can just like once it gets too big all right now i'm literally ejecting you kicking you out of my little stretchy bit bleh, onto the ground get up and keep moving otherwise you're gonna get left for dead tends to be how it works but on the subject of like biggest uh, stereotypes or misconceptions, rather, I think you and I talked about this, Shem, you know, coming from a religious background, I think the assumption of Israel is that it's like somehow this modern day country that is still exactly the same as it's presented from a biblical perspective, you know, that everyone's still walking around believing that, you know, Yahweh is going to come down in two minutes, everyone's still adhering to the rules of the Torah. 
and like pork is nowhere and i i don't know do you know what i mean it's just like that somehow it like like nothing's changed yeah um people think like oh you have to go with a yamaka or i don't know just like you have to uh eat kosher no it's just like a free country anyone can do whatever the biggest thing to me is that we don't have public transportation um over the weekends like shabbat because it's like a jewish country so you can't use public transportation most of the stores aren't open so over the last few years people are really fighting it you know just let us have public transportation over the weekends right i love that and i think that's really good to to draw that understanding you know that like because i think this is this is part of why we do this culture series when we when we picture a country or a people group we have an immediate image that plays in our mind of like every stereotype every meme every everything we've ever been like presented on tv this is what you can expect da, 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 and it all just plays over in your head and i think it's really important to not only know that things are different but that there is an active challenge to improve to change things even further i, I love hearing about that what would you say the culture is like in Israel regarding being plus size, becoming fat, body positivity? What is that situation like? I think we're on the right track. I mean, people in Israel feel like the obligation to people's private life. Like when someone gains weight or loses weight, it's just, oh, good for you. Oh, you, you gained weight. Oh, it doesn't look good. Just like, keep your noses out of my business. Over the last few years, like plus size has been on the rise. There was like a model agency only for plus size women. And that pushed the boundaries of what um, the Israeli media can perceive as beautiful. So we're in a good state right now. Like we have more and more plus size women modeling for uh, fashion brands. And right now a good friend of mine actually started um, clothing uh, line for plus size men like uh, t-shirts underwear and like uh, tank tops and stuff like that it's called uh, Ale Plus which he provides like from size one extra large to nine extra large actually he wanted me to take some photos for him like to model for him but it didn't work out sadly but um, hopefully we'll be able to collaborate in the future because I'm very into what he does Sadly, body positivity is not that large in Israel. Even in the bear community here, it's just like not there as much as I would love to. I just want to bring up here, you know, on that note of body positivity, a couple of years ago now, uh, there was a winner of Eurovision named Netta, and she had a fabulous song called Toy. And, you know, she, she was a plus size girl. She's a big bitch. She's out here singing a song and being cute, scatting, singing about Pikachu. So, you know, she's a nerd too. Like, really representing for hoes like we love Lizzo of course but there were people all over doing things you know before she kind of took took the lead and Netta was one of them do you feel like she's someone that is like a part of that conversation in Israel or maybe not so much oh yeah she definitely is more when she was the winner but less now I remember standard model like very known here did like swimsuit fashion show and they brought Neda to wear this like same swimsuit as the girls, like in her size. And some people were just like leaning into it, just like body shaming Neta for it. Look at her legs, look at her uh, belly, just like all out bad. But 
on the other side, people are just like, yes, work it. Just like big girls deserve the recognitions too. And just like, it was very polarizing for some reason. She was like a trailblazer regarding that. Because, you know, even plus size models, they do have like a perfect body. Let's just say, just like when you pick a plus size model, you pick a beautiful one. You're just not picking the one that is like truly fat and, you know, it doesn't have the right shape for it. All love to Neta, no shade, but she doesn't have like the shape of a model, the way the beauty industry views it. And when she came out in the bathing suit, in the bathing suit, just like, oh, she's just fat in a beautiful bathing suit. It's not it. We We need to represent every kind of plus size. I like that you mentioned that, and I like that you mentioned your friend's business. So I, I do kind of want to ask, like, what are the sort of fashion choices like? I mean, outside of creating your own business, you're going about your day, you think to yourself, I just want a couple of new casual tops from the local store. What are the kind of opportunities in terms of plus size clothing? Does it exist or is it really lacking? It is kind of lacking. My best friend got married last June and I was like uh, sort of a best man for her. And I wanted to wear something like uh, a pink suit, something like that, you know, just being cute. It was a summer wedding. So, you know, you did something short and not be too hot. And I remember going like uh, to Zara and, and Castro and all of those like uh, fashion shops. And I'm not that big of a guy yet, sadly. I'm still like two extra large, like pants wise, one extra large. And I could, and, and I found this beautiful blazer and beautiful peach pink pants. And the blazer was fine. It fitted me well, but the pants, it didn't close at all. It's like, it was the largest. Yeah. It was just shy of it. And this was the largest size in the shop. And when I asked, is there a larger size? you know, that maybe branch or something. No, this is the largest size we have in like the elegant part of the lineup. It was just like, fuck that. <laughs> they didn't offer to tailor it for you? No. Because oh. I figure if you're going to spend that much money on an outfit to look good, that they should offer a tailoring service to be like, okay, if it doesn't quite fit, we'll make it work. Like when I went to get fitted for a suit for my sister's wedding, um, I had to do several fittings because I kept gaining weight and they kept having to let the pants out and putting more fabric in there. And my sister's like, what are you doing? <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I'm kind of stressed out. I'm just stress eating lately. Um, so by the time I had my yeah, final right. fitting, um, it fit okay. But it's so funny because I went to go try those pants on a couple of months ago and like, yeah, there's no way. Um, I, I even outgrew the, the, the blazer that went with it. The pants I bought for the wedding eventually. While now it was easy to like buckle and stuff, now it's just like kind of a struggle. I wore it for like uh, Rosh Hashanah. I could barely button it, and it's just like the, the belt I wore for the wedding just couldn't get it closed. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, as sometimes as dangerous, we we do underestimate just how much those moments can make us feel incredible, right? Like especially when you bought something and you think to yourself. I bought this not that long ago and it fit fine then and she's a little tight now. I feel like when the scales tell us we're going up and down, when certain measurements fluctuate, clothing is always faithful because clothing stays yeah. the same fucking size and she will tell you, bitch, you got fat because <laughs> we don't fit. It can also be kind of annoying mm -hmm. too because the tank top that I'm currently wearing says daddy across it and I bought this while I was at claw this this last club so back in April and it felt like it fit perfectly when I put it on and then after one washing 
it shrinks so much like because that's just what cotton does and i fucking hate that about cotton it's like it can fit like a glove but then the minute you wash it you're like ah shit now it rides up now like if i raise my arms it starts you know like and i love this tank top and while of course i'm still going to wear it even if my belly ends up poking out the bottom of it I still would rather have been able to get a couple of years out of this tank top before I was like, oh, okay, I've technically outgrown it. <laughs> well, you know, this is a conversation point when we do another episode following up and talking about maybe more the nitty gritty of like fashion. I think it would be good to address like if you're buying cotton tops, even if you wear the fitting and it says, oh, you're an XL, the XL fits fine. Be sensible and buy the 2XL because after a couple of washes, it's going to fit like an XL. And if you want to get more wear out of this, this might be what you need to do. You know, that kind of a conversation. And we need to have more of this as gainers because when people are fat, like just existing in a fat body, they will fluctuate up and down. But gainers are the people who are consistently growing through entire sets of wardrobes. We need to be able to have more conversations on how to preserve our clothing, get more use out of our clothing, and maybe even come up with a more effective network for repurposing and regifting. Like, I'm surprised there's no network of, like, I know Gumtree's obviously a bit gross, but, you know, like a clothing trading service for free, basically, where it's like you sign up to this service, you pay, I don't know, a monthly membership of, like, five, 10 pound or something, you grab whatever is like on offer, you trade items of your own if you've outgrown them. And maybe the cost of delivery and the cost of shipping is taken up by monthly memberships from all over. I don't know. But it could be a really useful way of like being more sustainable with our clothing, but also like, I don't know, just helping people out, especially when it comes to finding more treasured items, items that are built effectively that actually are sturdy and aren't going to like be destroyed on us that we can keep for a bit of a, a longer time, you know? Yeah. Curiously, how do you see gaining culture as it's represented in places like the UK and the US? Do you feel like it's a positive thing or do you feel like there's that sense of maybe we're missing out on something? I'm definitely jealous. <laughs> I mean, it's non-existent in Israel at all I, I i came into gaining through basically running around the internet like searching for fat guys when i was like 11 <laughs> and turns out that's a very common narrative among gainers <laughs> and i never had an outside view into the gaming community you know i never saw it in a different point of view so to me it was mostly like a place of positivity you know just like yeah growing and, and enjoying it and feeling good about it well, it does have some, like, darker sides, like every other thing has, you know. It was mostly a positive thing for me when I grew up. And, and yeah, in Israel, we don't have that, like, at all. It's not anywhere in the media. It's not anywhere when, like, um, you know, dating apps and nothing. Just, like, even on, on grammar, there's, like, five more Israeli gainers and 20 more keyboard masturbators, you know. <laughs> and, and, and that's it. That's another question we want to ask is like, what's the gaming community like in Israel? And it really doesn't sound like there's, there's much. Not existed. You know, but to be fair, there's a lot of cities where you could say that because I say that a lot about Cleveland, that it's non-existent. And I'm sure that there are people who live even in larger cities, like Chicago apparently is a gainer Mecca, but you know, someone who lives maybe in Buffalo, New York or El Paso, Texas, you know, they're not 
finding a gay a gaining community where they are because like you said a lot of people really kind of use this community as a form of escapism you know they they have their their normal life you know like they they have their job they have their family they have their maybe they have a partner maybe they're seeing somebody and like for them this this community is kind of like this is where i come to get my my jollies my spank bank material my all this other stuff but i'm not like these people may not be interested in actually forming a community yeah but the thing is in the u.s you know everything is kind of connected so maybe if you're in another in, a, in another state you can grab a quick flight and you can hang out with friends well not necessarily a quick flight because <laughs> like there i mean you have to you have to remember that as the on the north american continent there's thousands of miles in between some cities so like it might not be the quickest of flights if like your best friend lives in san francisco and you live in like dc or something but living in israel being like sort of like desolated from you know europe and the u.s and just like visiting a friend like very expensive like you have to plan ahead for such a long time and sometimes it won't come to fruition and like the flight I took to London last month was just like spur of the moment as a decision but I just had to think over and over can I afford this can I have like how how do I do it and I don't have many gainer friends in London besides James so it's just like okay what do I do now it's just like I can't just like send someone a message on bigger city hey I'm I'm here for a vacation want to meet up and build a friendship it just doesn't work like that but I do have an Israeli friend who also a gainer and he does have like a group of friends in london he flies there like twice a year meeting there and just like having like this big like feasts and and traveling together and stuff and i wish i had that but i guess i have to work on it in the future <laughs> i mean this is definitely a conversation point i think tim you and i've hit on a couple of times and i think it's going to come up more and more as we explore this you know there is a privilege in being a part of a larger or more dense country like the UK, the US, where you have options, you have opportunities, you know, essentially what I have the opportunity in London is multiple different people in multiple different friend groups in multiple different areas of London, let alone different cities within the country. Same thing in the US, whereas I think in places like Israel and smaller countries in Europe or in South America or in Southeast Asia, you know, you might be one of five profiles for your entire country, for your entire language base, for your culture base. And sometimes it really means a lot to have someone who they just understand your culture, your language, your vibe instantly, and you don't have to think about it or process it, you know. So I definitely think there is a privilege in that, that we as gainers and fetists and whoever else of these major countries should probably be more willing to, I guess, a bridge, especially when people come to visit, you know, like someone's visiting from a foreign country. Why would we be anything other than gracious? Why would we be anything other than like, please come and let us integrate you with us because you've done the traveling, you've come all this way. Let's find space for you within this circle whilst you have your time here. And that's exactly what you said to me one month ago. <laughs> literally that like when you and i hung out shem and it was that thing of like i'd said to you whilst you're here like yes i work and i'll be doing those things but if you want me on an evening i'll hang around after work i'll come into central and see you and it's like i'm not presuming to take up all of your time but you're on a holiday you're a guest and you're my friend 
why would I be anything other than eager and open to just ingratiate my time with yours whilst I have that opportunity? Because you're only here for a week, you know? It's like, make make it work and be be more accommodating to people. And I feel like that's a shout out to listeners. If people are coming to visit, try and just just try and be open to visitors. You know, does it doesn't have to be that hard. And I think that's why I strive to move, you know, not only like gaining wise, like, you know, relationship wise and opportunity, like work opportunities wise. Just like I remember coming to London the first time in 2019, I think it was. And I remember walking the street and I felt like I'm home. And, you know, I came back a year later for uh, nine days and I felt even more in love with the city and I got to know people and I went out to clubs and then some more of the city and just like felt like I have so much potential here like for work for relationship for friends that I don't have in Israel because people here are kind of closed-minded you know and I think it stems from the fact that it's a more um, traditional country people here are living traditional lives and you know talking about sex is taboo talking about kinks is taboo everything here is just like a big taboo for like people who are more traditional in their way of life and it affects everything i mean even the even geeks here are just like only a few thousands and it's how to find geeky friends and it's how to find gamers to hang out and talk with so yeah just like i think I have a lot more potential if I move somewhere else. So I wanted to ask kind of a fun question. Um, every time we do these uh, cultural episodes, we we try to relate it back to a, as gaining as much as we possibly can. So I would like to know, what is your favorite like snack, drink, meal? Like, I don't really know much about cuisine over in Israel. So like, tell us about your favorite like uh just favorite foods maybe maybe some of them are fattening maybe they're not but i'm just i'm curious because i don't really know anything about the food over there i mean it's it's a sort of like amalgamation of all like cultures in here but we have uh, shawarma here in tel aviv you can like every 200 feet you can see another place sending shawarma or uh, falafel or hummus you know so (laughs) there's that but yeah it's such just so much diversity here Food-wise, we have Japanese, Chinese, we have Thai, we have, like, uh, Indian food. It's just, like, everything is so good here. <laughs> Snacks. I just actually have one here. I wanted to snack before I came on, but I didn't have the time. It's called Bamba. It's, like, um, imagine cheese puffs, but peanut-flavored. So it's kind of good. It's, like... Peanut-flavored? Yeah, peanut. And I guess that's why people here in Israel don't have, like a large like there's there's not a lot of people who have like peanut allergy because of this snack because people eat it since childhood and <laughs> it I, I i think i read about it somewhere with when you eat something like a lot during your childhood it minimizes the chances of you being allergic to it i feel like what i know of like jewish cuisine comes from like stereotypes of like new york jewish ladies they talk about the brisket they talk about the bagel and schmear like it's that kind you of filter fish you filter <laughs> fish um so i don't really know what is like a traditional hebrew meal that you get turned the fuck up for and it's different for every household you know because 
We have people that come from uh, Morocco. We have people that come from Europe, from Russia. Every household is like different. I'm a mix of like two sides. My mother's side is more Ashkenazi from like Europe. And my dad's side is more of like Eastern side. Like my grandmother is from Egypt and my grandfather is from Libya. So, you know, it's, it's just like very different from every household. One of my favorites that my mom makes, um, it's called burakas. Dough filled with like sort of thing like cheese or, or potatoes or mushrooms. And my mom made this like, my mom makes this like big burakas roll filled with meat and a mushroom sauce above it. That sounds really good. That sounds like uh, like a beef Wellington, but like more mushroom and still super duper tasty. Like I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need your mama to fix me a plate of that when I come to visit you. I was gonna say with the 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 dough filled with like the cheese and or potatoes or whatever it was you said that reminds me of pierogies because my mom's Polish, so that was something that we ate all the time growing up. Yeah, burekas is kind of like um, an Eastern thing. I think it's from Morocco or maybe Yemen. We also have jachnun. It's like um, a rolled up dough that you cook overnight and you eat it with like, what's the word for it? Like you grate tomatoes and, you know, you dip it in and you eat it. It's just like so good. The cultural thing here that people just mix and match, you know, just like <clears throat> this Ashkenazi family eating like Eastern food and yeah, sort of like let's train, <laughs> which is fun. I'm curious to ask, like when you reflect on things like, let's say Hebrew made film and television stuff from like when you've grown up through to now, when you decided that you wanted to like start gaining were there like characters on TV that you wanted to emulate? Any like Hebrew characters that really like inspired you to do it? I guess so, yeah. I mean, when I grew up, there were a lot of cartoons, you know, when you watch cartoons, sometimes the character inflates and, and you know, they get fat or something like that. There was a movie when I was like preteen-ish that called it was called A Matter of Size and it used like fat actors. They lost weight over time, sadly, because they looked amazing being fat. But it was that group of fat guys starting a sumo group in Israel. And yeah, it was it was a good movie. It was a really good movie. And there were some themes around it, you know, like being fat is not good or, uh, you know, embracing that you're fat and then like making something out of it. And one of the guys from the group eventually came out as gay and he started like um, chatting on like, uh, you know, online with someone and he sent them some body pictures and he told them, he was a fit guy, he told them, oh, I think you're very sexy. I like, I like chubby guys and stuff like that. And I think also exploring that, that gay scene thing, which is just, was kind of eye-opening that, oh, fit guys can also be attracted to fat guys and you don't fat guys fat people don't have to be with fat people i think that was that's that what let me rephrase it <laughs> i think that's what beautiful about this movie because it's very true to the to you know to life fat people don't have to be with only fat people and fat people can love themselves fat people can enjoy their bodies and and feel good about it 
a matter of size. Well, listeners, if you can find a copy of that with some English subtitles, you'd be sure to send us a link. I, I'd be down to see it. You know, and I think it, it brings up an interesting point sometimes within gaming because I feel like there is this narrative of like gainers can date encouragers, but we can also date other gainers. And so many gainers have this narrative of being like gainer for gainer only. They don't want to meet up with encouragers or chasers. They only want to meet up with other fat bodies because we ourselves are chasers for other fat bodies, right? But it is still very much valid for bigger people to be with smaller people. Bigger people should not just have to be with bigger people because that quote unquote makes sense to someone else's mind on what seems appropriate or logical. Like anybody can be with any body type. So like I've always said, as long as somebody gets to be fat, whether I get to be the fat person or the other guy gets to be the fat person or the fatter person, like I'm happy. Like, some a belly is going to be worshipped one way or the other whether it's mine or someone else's so that's good enough for me so do you have like a phrase in hebrew that you love to use in like a gaining context so you know how like in spanish it's like gordo gordito that type of thing like is there a hebrew thing yeah i mean there's the word like to fatten in Hebrew, sound like an English word, lefatem, which is like to fatten someone up. And I love this word. I also love all the like, you know, adjectives like to describe fat, you know, just like a pig, um, you know, stuff like I, I love for some reason, the Hebrew words are like so hot to me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> we've talked before on the podcast about how the word blubber turns me on. So like if there's an equivalent in, in Hebrew. Yeah, like how do you say pig in Hebrew? Chazir. Uh, oh, Chazir. Oh, how was that? was that? Was that good for you? You like that? For me, when Israeli guys are get they're getting angry. I don't know, just like the, the rage Israeli guys are talking with. This is what turns me on the most. <laughs> <laughs> like when another Israeli guy called me like Tchat Shamen or something like that, just like mm. it has like this like I don't know like aggressiveness to it, and, 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 and I don't know an intent to degrade you that just kind of turns me on. Maybe you're into humiliation a little bit, you know. I, I am. Okay. <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> that explains it, then. There you go. You you learn something new every day. Just gotta just gotta find an angry way of saying it to you one time. I'll say I'll send you a little voice uh, voice note later on. I'll give a direction. There you go. As a challenge here, what changes would you like to see in the Hebrew gaining community? I mean, there should be one first, uh, <laughs> but I would love to see more a change in the bear community in Israel because the bear community in Israel sort of like says, oh yeah, we're body positive and we love ourselves for being bears and, and we're not ashamed of ourselves. But sort of at the same time is when a bear says, I'm not comfortable with my body. I'm going to go on a diet. It's like, yeah, I'm gonna go lose some weight. You'd look way better. I'm just like, Are you serious, bitch? Just like, yeah, I, I, sh I surely advocate for people to go and lose weight if they want to feel good about themselves. But when a bear says, I want to lose weight to match what other guys thinking about me, I just you go, yes, do it for you. It's like, where is the body positivity about that? You know, where's the pride of being fat and being a bear? I found it so fake to me i don't like the israeli community. i mean no shade to the people i know there that i love and i have some really good friends there but it's not a body positivity um, centered community because it's not even the mr bear competition 
It's not about being like, who is the proudest bear to represent Israel? It's about who's the popular, the most popular bear in Israel to represent Israel in the worldwide competitions. And it's not it. I don't believe in it. I think that James and I have on the books at some point to talk about the kind of hypocrisies that we sometimes see crop up in the bear community specifically, because I've noticed a lot of it over the years, and I'm sure James has too. So that's definitely going to be an episode where we sit down and talk about like the weird dichotomy of being in the bear community, but being a self-hating bear at the same time. Oh, 100. You know, there's this notion that like people joke and say, oh, like what happens to a twink when he gets fat and old? Oh, he becomes a bear. You know, and like sometimes it feels like the people who join the bear community carry across the same biases, the same frustrations. There's a whole conversation on like the history of like the twink community and the bear community and how actually those two designations within the queer space are the oldest, right? Like now we have spaces for pups and otters and for uh, this, that, the other. But once upon a time, it was either or. And mm -hmm. was typically speaking, not to say the minority, but they were the thin, white, young gays. It didn't necessarily mean hairless, but it meant youthful and young. And then bear was just the sort of remnant category of not accepted. And it's interesting how people enter that space and corrupt that space with notions that are exclusionary and really do center again what is seen to be an apex body or an apex human and funnily enough it always seems to co correlate with being white traditionally attractive aryan features you know and just this one particular visual point be it size or hair or height or whatever that's just your particular flavor you know you're the hottest cis looking white dude of the tall ones you're the hottest looking cis white dude of the fat ones you know and it's just it's interesting, but we will we will talk about that more. Just real quickly, you know what term I kind of wish would, uh, well, I don't wish it would come back, but I've, I've always found this term funny and I don't hear it anymore. I really only heard it when I was about 18 to like 22. Have you ever heard of uh, like when gay guys are called chicken hawks? So a chicken hawk is an older gay man that goes after a younger gay man, like by a significant amount, by like 10 years or or, or more, they're junior. Because Jamie, my late husband, was termed a chicken hawk when he went after me because I was 22 he was 34 <laughs> and like I can understand that that term probably has a lot of problematic stuff attached to it I've just always found it really funny whenever they oh look a chicken hawk's going hunting again I don't think we have a term for it in Hebrew we do have a term for our old for an old gay man Vieja <laughs> I don't know why but just like it describes an old gay man what does it translate to I don't know, just like a gay slang in Hebrew. I don't know. We have like lots of words for it. Preteen gay guy would would, would call like kukita. I don't know why. Or um, face the wedge. I don't know. It's the, it's the gay slang here. See, we just call them baby gays over here. Like when you can tell that a kid's going to, I mean, I shouldn't put a blanket statement and say that you can tell when a kid's going to grow up to be gay, but there are certain children that you will meet throughout the course of your life that you're like, in 20 years, you're going to be in the bars, but like, like we would call them baby gays. I suppose I have one, one last question I want to ask Shem, and, and really this is open to you. It's the, the question is, what is the big question that we haven't asked? And what is the answer to that? 
I mean, the question I would love to hear, do I have, I have a spare room in my house. Would you like to move in? <laughs> and I poop. Yes, I'm coming. Are you, are you taking boyfriend applications at the moment? <laughs> yeah, I'm very single. <laughs> Fantastic. I think I'm, I'm very much in a poly open relationship, Tim. I think you can have a chat with Matt and make that work. Uh, and then Tim, do you know what? We'll make it a TV. Yeah, I could see how that would go down. Yeah. By the way, honey, I'm going to move to Israel. I'd <laughs> be like, what? I think Tim and I will both compete. It'll be like a dating show where it's just the two of us as competitors. We're competing to be your boyfriend, Sham. Oh God, this make this this is this is putting such an image in my head. Ever since I showed you that clip of New York of pumpkins spitting on New York. <laughs> oh my God! Yes. Shem, you're going to make us do all sorts of insane challenges, but they all have to be like Jewish themed or something where you're like, uh, you, have to, you can spin the dreidel the longest or some shit like that. And then it's like the, each one of us trying to sabotage the other, who can cook the best brisket to impress my mother, you know, and then she gets to vote like, who's the winner of this week's challenge? Who can read the Torah the best? Exactly. Exactly. But, but it'll be like, photo shoot where we're reading the torah and then all of a sudden like it's pissing rain there's like a wind machine it's a wait, hot... wait, 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 wait. <laughs> when um we have this like thing called bar mitzvah you know yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like the rite of passage when boy comes becomes man and when you're 13 you have to like to go to a synagogue and you read from the torah and when you're fin when you finish reading the women from upstairs would you say I'm just like throwing like toffees at you, just like sniping you with like candies and stuff. They throw candy at you? Yeah. Just like you have to celebrate the fact that you became from a boy to a man and you just like throw candies at you. Like hard candy <laughs> though? Like amazing. are they hitting you like pellets while they're while you're up they're, there? They're, like... not they're not trying to like actively hit you, but it happens. It's like throwing candies and that would be such a funny challenge in like like a dodgeball uh, bar mitzvah. Like someone like you have to like go through like a um um, um what's the word for it? Like an like obstacle a track, course. like a yes, like a wipeout thing. And people just the the crowd throws candies that you're trying to get you off the track. Perfect. To be fair, I do think him. I think we would look very funny trying. No, we look hilarious. Squealing like big like. Which, by the way, just so you guys know, everything that you've just described is basically the first season of uh, Flavor of Love. So. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't watched it. What is it? Oh, Flavor of Love is a ridiculous, ridiculous dating show that aired in, I, I guess, the mid 2000s. Um, and it starred uh, Flavor Flav, who was this um, rap star that everybody had known about from the 90s. And he was trying to find like the love of his life. And they invited the most colorful ca cast of ridiculous women you have ever met in your life to appear on this show and they just acted a fool acted ignorant did the dumbest shit on television but everybody ate it up a, a youtuber of mine reviewed it a few months ago i have to watch the video though well you know we need to tim and i have always talked about like we need to do like gain a themed tv shows and i think it would be very camp to like recreate like iconic reality tv queer culture queer history moments through the lens of obesity you know like um 
instead of I don't want to see anyone wearing any fucking H&M, you know, it's someone saying something really shady like I don't want to see anybody wearing any goddamn nasty pig or some bullshit like that. <laughs> um, I think there's a way to make it work. Or Andrew Christian. They'd be like, I am so fucking tired of seeing Andrew Christian. Find a different designer. <laughs> oh, no, no. I'm so tired of seeing people wearing oversized clothes. Yeah, the, the gay the gay instinct to like wear overalls with like one strap not on and just a pair of loose Doc Martens, like only half laced up. Love that. Backwards trucker cap, you know. Okay, don't come for my look now. <laughs> Him, no, I... you have you have evolved. Your 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 fashion sense is now leaning much uh, closer to like bored dad who goes golfing every weekend. That's true. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but Shem, listen, that brings us to the end of this fantastic episode. Thank you so much. Oh, oh I don't want it to end. <laughs> oh, baby, where can the listeners find you online? Well, you can find me on Instagram. It's uh, Shem Falah, just like Shem, S-H-E-M-F-A-L-A-H. This is my Instagram. I'm on Twitter and uh, Grammar as Israeli Gainer. And I'm on uh, OnlyFans, brand new. Um, oh. It's Shem Bear. $5 a month. $5 a month. Listen, you can't see Shem right now, but I think you should be paying more than $5 a month to get an access to this. It's definitely a very cost-effective thing for what you're going to get because he's he's worth a lot more than $5 a month, so. Oh, thank you. Aww. Tim, it sounds like you're already subscribed to his OnlyFans. I didn't even know it existed, so now I, I mean, I will be. <laughs> <laughs> this is how we sponsor the gainer economy. You know, we spend our dollars on our good fat hoes to get them even fatter. That's what we do here in the gaming community. But that's a wrap for now here on Thick Radio. Please remember to like and subscribe, rate us five stars, and leave us a good review. If you liked this episode, the podcast, or just us in general, share it with your friends and encourage them to tune in. You can find me on Instagram and BeefyFrat at Stanham. And you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, TikTok, and Beefy Frat at Thicky Mouse. You can also look us up on TikTok at Thick Radio or our website at www.podpage.com forward slash Thick Radio. And if you want to submit any questions or ideas for episodes, you can reach us at thethickradio at gmail.com. So until next time, bye fats. Bye fats. Bye fats. Let's talk about it. Thick Radio is a Patreon and Enter app podcast produced by Stan and Vicky Mouse. Next and Master by Stan. Our artwork is provided by Lucky 2. Our theme song is provided by Spotify Training.